Listener Production. Coming up on today's edition of Footy Talk, Collingwood and Brisbane have had their final training sessions. We pull this game apart, tell you who's going to win and why. Ethan Meldrum will be in the studio with us to give us all of the numbers. Joey talks about grand final day in his recollections and a little bit of trade news to finish up as well. This is our grand final edition of Footy Talk. It is Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. It is the day before the biggest game of the season. The richest prize in our industry is up for grabs tomorrow afternoon at the MCG and we have got a stack to talk about. I'm Jack Heverin, alongside a man who knows exactly what it looks like, feels like, tastes like and smells like on grand final day, Joey Montagna. Joey, yes. good to see you. Nice to see you too, Jack. Yeah, it is the best week of the year, um, not only as a player but certainly as a fan as well, particularly if you're a footy nuffy. I mean, it, it's a great week, the build-up, the anticipation and the game is, I think, sets up, and we'll get into it later, but it sets up to be a it's been a while since we've had a ripping grand final. Probably have to go back to 2018 yep. for the heartbreak for Collingwood. I think we're due, but it is such an exciting week. And to have Collingwood in it has set the town alight. As you say, we're going to slice and dice this game in a 100 different ways. But I reckon off the top, the one thing that's overwhelming to me this week, you talk to people in the industry, footy fans, family, whatever, everyone is saying that they're expecting this to be a really, really good close game, which is great. Well, and I think when you look at it, I know probably every year we probably think the grand finals should be close, but I reckon we've had a pretty odds-on favourite, haven't we? Like Geelong were always the, the sharp favourites against Sydney. Melbourne, we always thought, even though they're up against it, we're going to beat the Western Bulldogs. And then, of course, Richmond had their run as well. So, um, And Geelong, we spoke about, had their time. So, But this one feels like it is 50-50. I mean, genuinely... Brisbane, when you look at it, have the better form on the board in recent times, have the better style and profile, but Collingwood have just got this thing about them, that everyone's now talking about this aura Mm. where they find a way to win, they either set it alight at the start, they come from behind at the end, they flick a switch in the middle, it's... it's, uh, it's sort of one where you're just you're not sure what you're going to get with Collingwood, but at the end of the day, they find a way to win, and that's what I think sets up again in this grand final. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it will be really, really exciting. Big crowd, obviously expected. Good weather as well. Yeah, it's just perfect, perfect in Melbourne. In fact, how perfect has this week been in Melbourne? Like the weather's been great across the week. There's been a stack of events. There's just a good feeling in town. It's yeah, great. there is. And in both the grand finals that I played in, we had actually contrasting weeks in weather. So 2009, it was cold and like really cold and really wet. And you woke up grand final morning and you look out the window and you're like, oh, damn, this is disappointing. <laughs> and that turned into an absolute slog fest. It was, it was one of the more brutal games of footy that we've ever played in. And then 2010 against Collingwood in that draw, it was hot. Yeah. And it, to be honest, the weather will be an issue. Because we've, we've spent Melbourne winter, I remember the 2010 grand final. I remember the first quarter. And it being hot, and normally in a game of footy, you start off the first five minutes, you, you know, your you heart's pumping, you, you're sucking it in, and then you find your second wind, as anyone that plays sport would understand, you get into the groove and you can play out the game. In that grand final, we never found our second wind. We were sucking in the oxygen mm. from right at the start of the game to right at the end. It never cooled down, probably because of the intensity of the game, but the weather was a big factor. So it is something to be conscious of tomorrow, and you'd think Brisbane have the advantage in that aspect because they've had some warm weather the last sort of three to four weeks and have trained in it. It's now the day before the grand final, which means that sort of generally about Wednesday or Thursday, all the interstaters start to transcend on Melbourne. And I'm not talking about footy fans here. I'm talking about those who are looking to make an earn for the back end of the week. <laughs> yes. And there are plenty of them. They 
They just hold off. Monday, Tuesday's not really their go. They maybe give the Brownlow a miss. Fly in Wednesday, Thursday. Now, I know there was that article in the Herald Sun earlier this week about uh, cashies and about declaring your, all your earnings and all that was sort it? of stuff. And I think it made a few people pretty nervous. One <laughs> uh, William Brownless might have got very nervous all of a sudden. But when you look on Twitter and Instagram and look at all of the, the events that have been going on this week, Joey, there are some people who have made some serious, serious coin this week. And I don't feel like you and I are, are, are any of those. We are well down the pecking order, Jack. <laughs> this is the week for the big dogs. And there's always the usual suspects. So like the Hodgies and the Juddies, and they're going to clean up every grand final week for the rest of their lives. And good on them. They probably deserve it. Then you've got the big names you mentioned, Billy Brownless, Brian Taylor, the guys that host all the events, Hamish McLaughlin. They just pick up a nice bit of oh. coin. Hamish had get, one of the biggest weeks of all time. Exactly think, right. Yeah. But then you get the ones that when their team's in it, oh boy, is it time for them to fill their pockets. And these Brisbane Lions legends that won all those flags 20 years ago, this is their time. Because there is that nice element of against Collingwood, mm-hmm. 20 years, there's a lot of storytelling. And I think that the, the John O'Browns and the Simon Blacks are just jetting into Melbourne um, and they are going to clean up. There's a couple in particular. So, Triple M's own. Blackie's in town. Yep. Came in on Wednesday, I think. and He probably would be one that would declare his money, I reckon. Yeah, he's too nice. He's too nice. Yeah, he, he's one he, of those guys yeah. that would declare his he, cash. He, he would go. He would actually ring the ATO <laughs> and go, hey, guys, I just want to let you know that I hosted something yesterday. <laughs> yeah. The fee was 2K, <laughs> but I'm just lodging it with you now, getting in early. There's a couple of others, though, that I think have really cashed in this week from a Brisbane point of view. Jason Ackermanis. Oh, yeah. He's bobbed up on TV a bit too this Everywhere week. Everywhere yeah. this week. I spoke to someone who said, oh, yeah, I hosted a function with Acker yesterday. Yeah. I, thought, I, was, I thought Brisbane and Acker hated each yeah. other, but they're back in love Best again. Best self-promoter going around. <laughs> yep. The other, and I, I think we should add him, he's Triple M's very own Chris Johnson. Jono. Ran into Jono at the Gabba last week after the game, mm-hmm. and he had a massive smile on his face. And I said, yeah, it was a good performance by your boys. Good win by the Lions. He goes, yeah, yeah, no, that was good. My week just got a whole lot better all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. That was a bit of the same Fox footy. Alistair Lynch, who never comes to the Melbourne office, he does all his best up, up north for Fox. He flew in on Tuesday or Wednesday, and same thing. I think he's just uh, picking up a little bit of an earn. And then a few of the Collingwood boys, well, Bucks has been doing the rounds, fair yep. enough, and our man Dale Thomas always. So Oof. a lot of money being made this week. D. Thomas and Heath Shaw would, uh, would be making plenty this week as yep. well. So as we sit here right now, Collingwood are going through their captain's run in front of – Unbelievable crowd, as we say. It's a beautiful day in Melbourne, so it's a great day for a captain's run. Just that side of things from a Pies point of view, like they will no doubt go into tomorrow's game with the advantage in terms of support and noise and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they do. I'm not sure how big of a factor... It is on grand final day that you're really thinking about the crowd because it is a bit more neutral and it is a grand final and it's 100,000 regardless of who plays. So, But it will be a factor. But just back to the, the captain's run today for the Collingwood players, it's probably the most – it would be the most enjoyable day of their year. There is nothing better because it's a bit of a bit of a kick and giggle. Just get flush the legs out, get a bit of nerves out, and they'll have 10,000 there. Mm. And it's it's the highlight of, of the week of grand final week to, to be able to just have a training session in front of all those fans. Pressure off. I remember 20 – might have been 2009. We had we had ten to 15,000 at Moorabbin. Like, the Moorabbin ground was full. Standing room all the way around. You can't park it. And as we, came, as we were coming out of the change rooms one by one to get ready for training, we got a, like a roar every time we came out. It was amazing. And I remember two things happened. One, Milne came out, got the roar, and he thought, he goes, 
I'm going to go back in and pretend I've forgotten something <laughs> and just so I can come out. Because as they – so Milne came out, got his raw, went back into the rooms, pretended he had to go get something, came back out five minutes later, got another raw. So he loved it. And then when we did our warm-up lap, we got a, a, a round of applause the whole way around the warm-up lap. It was a great thrill. And we got to the end and Rui sort of looked at the group and he said, you want to do another lap? I said, yeah, why not? <laughs> Only time we've ever wanted to do two warm-up laps. Normally the warm-up lap's the worst thing. And we ran a second lap and, and took it all in. So it is a real thrill for the players and a real highlight, and they should enjoy it. Meanwhile, for the Lions, they had a closed session yesterday in Brisbane, but then we're about to jump on the plane and fly to Melbourne and got delayed due to really bad weather for a couple of yeah, hours. Yeah, not ideal, is it? It's a, I mean, hopefully it doesn't disrupt them too much at I mean, it is it is a pain travelling. To be fair, even when we play in Victoria, we might only do it five or six times. It is hard work because it's not just that everyone thinks, oh, it's a two-hour flight. It's the time from you leaving your door, as you know, Jack, to get to the airport. You've got to hang around airports. Then when you land, same thing, wait for your luggage, um, buses, all that sort of stuff. So it does take sort of half a day, and yep. it can take a bit out of you. So that's probably why there is to an element of the advantage for Melbourne teams against the state teams on grand final day. I think they've won seven of the last yeah. nine, yep. something like that. So not ideal for Brisbane when they need everything to go right. Interested to hear this earlier in the week. Uh, the Jock and Juno podcast, flying, of course, on the list. App, Jay-Z Clark and Scott Pendlebury. Ross Lyon was their very special guest. He was outstanding as always, yes. Rossi. Spoke about reflecting he and Pendles on grand final day and, and the entire process. I enjoyed it. I, I loved the parade, special moments. My kids were young. I had three under five. Mm-hmm. You know, you still see photos of them in the car sitting with Nick Rewald or sitting with Pavlich and mm-hmm. they were pretty special days. Fremantle was huge because, you know, getting on the flight over and at the airport, the, mm. the big crowd... Um, so yeah, we really enjoyed him, and and then the big turnout at the at the club. Mm. Yeah, I remember everyone said, "Oh, we shut it down." I thought, "Oh, I don't know about that." We had ten thousand people watching training, <laughs> like, and we did all the presses. So yeah, I, I felt we enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, but uh, from a coach perspective, yeah. In all honesty, it was a it was a huge load because of those demands I just went through. Yeah. But um. You know, it's a, it's a pretty special week. I, you know, I still remember the Collingwood fans disrespecting Nick Rewind at Parliament House when he's trying to talk about oh, Collingwood. Collingwood you know, so. That's right. I think Maxie tried to, like, show yeah. some respect and they just didn't have a bar, but they just kept going. Well, like, I think everyone club. just started laughing. Yeah, we talked about it. They'd probably get up and applaud him now. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. there that moment where Maxi wouldn't let go of the cup with Rui as well? Yeah, he wanted to let go last. Yeah. So they both were just awkwardly standing there for ages. It's like, who's going to let go? It was the start like, of the draw. Yeah, because right? yeah, like, yeah, that really is going to influence the result tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I, they do bring back some some recollections. I like their Rossi because we had the Saints bubble that everyone spoke about. We kept everything in house and nice and tight, but not even Rossi could keep the bubble grand final week. I think the bubble burst grand final week. But I do remember that parade, the Collingwood fans booing and uh, and chanting while Rui was trying to um, get interviewed by the great Craig Willis up on stage, and that didn't go down well with Rui. Um, but that's all, all part of the theatre. The other part of it, from a player's perspective, how hard is it to not play the game and spend all of the mental energy, not so much the physical energy, but the mental energy before 2.30 tomorrow. It's impossible. Your brain does wander. Of course it does. I mean, that's what we've done everything for is for that moment. And um, I spoke earlier in the week. It's it's a strange feeling because – it's going to be tomorrow for these Collingwood and Brisbane players, either the greatest day of their footy life or the worst day yeah. of their footy life at the same time. And they don't know which it's going to be, but you've just got to take the emotional risk to put it all out there, all the training, all the hours, um, and and see where it takes you. And, and that's why we love sport. There's no script. We don't know how it's going to end. Uh, for one team, it's going to be the greatest day. For the other, it's not. 
you play the game in your head. You do. You think about what it could be like and what it might mean. Um, but the challenge is to then bring yourself back and, and focus in on what you need to do to help the team win grand final day. Selection is in. And from a Collingwood perspective, Joey, they declared their hand pretty early in the week. Now, how good's Craig McRae? There's no, there's no um, hiding what, what's happening there. So um, they announced that, uh, obviously, that Frampton would play in place of McStay. And Ginevan's come into the 22 and Lipinski the sub, which... It's interesting, but not overly surprising. I think there's two elements. One, Lipinski was just going. He'd been just a little going. bit shaky just in going. the finals, and and I think that's fair enough. And I reckon they've identified, like the analysts that have looked at this game, Collingwood need to find some goals. They, they need some avenues to goal because Frampton is going to come in and I think play a role in Harris Andrews, but he's not going to be yeah. a noted goal kicker. Without McStay, a lot's going to be left up to Mychek and Jamie Elliott. And now if Brandon Stasevich does the clamping job on Elliott, which he's very good at doing, they're going to have to bob up somewhere. And Bobby Hill, you hope, is going to bob up, but he's had one great final, one poor final. Ginevan's a guy that does kick a goal or two a game. You, you can probably you know, take that to the bank, that he will bob up with a couple. So um, I think I like it. Leaves him a little bit thin in the midfield, Collingwood, without Taylor Adams. Now Lipinski is a sub. So that says to me that Nick Dacos is going to play mm. either as a forward up in the midfield or as a pure mid. I don't think they're going to waste him down back because they'll need that run through the middle. It's interesting you say that about them needing to keep more goals. Daisy and Heater spoke about this yesterday on Footy Talk, and Heater basically said they need to kick 80 or more to win Collingwood, yep. and they are struggling to do that at the moment. So is that yep. the magic number? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think 80 is the number. Uh, um, it's going to have to be. The Brisbane, I mean, are always going to kick a bit of a score. And I think the way that Collingwood play lends themselves to being able to score. Brisbane are the best team in the competition at scoring off turnover. Yep. Now, we know Collingwood give you looks. They've been able to withstand a lot of other teams. They've been able to withstand Melbourne, but Melbourne's issue has been their ability to score. They withstood the Giants, who probably wasted some chances in that. Can Collingwood withstand this offensive potency of the Brisbane Lions? That's the big issue. That's why Brisbane have won the last six against Collingwood. They've won their last three because they do hurt you when they turn the ball over. So Collingwood's defence is going to have to hold up as well as it ever has. But at the same time, they're going to need to kick a score. Jack Payne didn't make it. Unfortunately, didn't find a way to get up for the grand final. There's always a heartbreak story. And unfortunately, he will be that one for Brisbane. Was having cryotherapy, was in hyperbaric chambers, the same one that Sam Kerr was using in preparation for the World Cup, but just couldn't get there. Yeah, you've got to do everything you can. You, you would, ne- would hate as a player to have said, oh, Matt, could I have done more? But in the end, I think the Darcy Gardner performance on Charlie Kerno made the decision easy for the coaching group. Uh, Jack Payne would have had to have done something pretty special to over to leapfrog over Darcy Gardner after what he did. He was, he was fine last week, he was wasn't great. he, Darcy he was Gardner? Great. Yeah. So um, I think that, and I like the, the way that it works now with the, the Brisbane backline. So unfortunate for Jack Payne, he's had a wonderful year, but I'm sure he's hoping he gets another crack. They haven't declared their sub yet. Brisbane, James Tunstall, Darcy Fort, uh, alongside Payne and Jared Lyons are the emergencies. Lyons has been the sub the last three or four games, pretty much the entire final series. Do you expect him to be the sub? I don't think it's going to be James Tunstall. I I very highly doubt it'll be Darcy Fort and Payne's pretty much unavailable. So it'll be Jared Lyons again. Um, They haven't really needed his influence in the last quarter. I'm not sure if they are behind how much it changes things or what they can do. But uh, I think that's probably the one. They're, they're 23rd player, so they've just gone with their, their next best. You are one of the best brains in footy, Joey Montagna. And in grand finals in particular, the little things are the big things. We talk so much about the high-level stuff, but sometimes it can be the tiniest of things that make all the difference. So 
From a Collingwood point of view first, what are the, the one percenters, the, the little things that if they can tick off, it'll go a long way to winning? It's their pressure. Their pressure has to be at an all-time high. When, when they play their best, they put teams under pressure that can't allow them to use their foot skills. So we've, everyone's spoken about Brisbane's potency on offense and their damaging forwards. The best way to take them out is for the Collingwood's mids and backs and even the high half forwards to put so much heat on the Brisbane players. They are just kicking scungy balls, high balls, not getting clean looks. That's Collingwood's go. If the drop's off at some stage and Brisbane are able to, like they did against Carlton, once Carlton's pressure dropped away, they're able to control the game with their foot skills and and bring in their forwards. They're they're so hard to stop. So for Collingwood, that's going to be their focus. Nailing tackles, smothers, fingertips, which is what they have done. That's why Collingwood have been so successful. So I think there's no reason why they won't bring that again. Would you put some work into Kadeen Coleman? Off halfback. Certainly in the second quarter and, and onwards last week, when they got the game on their terms, and as you say, they were controlling the game by foot, it pretty much all started with Coleman off yeah, halfback. Yeah, and, and I think he's really, without Daniel Rich now, he's probably the only one that hurts you. Like Conor McKenna does it a bit more with leg speed and, and change of angles, but he's not as damaging. The rest of them are only sort of fair kicks, uh, Andrews and Gardner and Lester, et cetera. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be making sure as a team, it'd be, well, I don't think they'll tag Collingwood. That's not what they do or have a defensive forward, but it would be a team emphasis. Every time he gets the footy, we are getting in his face and not letting him have time and space. From Brisbane's point of view, Josh Dunkley did a great job on Paddy Cripps last week, really went to him and then won his own ball after quarter time as well. Is Josh Dunkley going to Jordan Degoe? 100%. Yeah, 100% he is. Um, and to do something similar to what he did to Cripps. Um, if you watch those clearances that uh, Degoe won last week, 13 of them, the Giants would be disappointed they didn't put enough body work into him. He, he had too much time and space to burst out and break free. Dunkley won't allow that. For Brisbane, that is, for me, the game for them. If they can win clearance and co- dominate that part of the game, that sets up their whole the whole game for them. They play it in their front half, they set up the wall defensively, and they put pressure on the opposition. So it is going to be up to Dunkley, Lockie Neal, Oscar McInerney is going to have a big influence yep. against the Rucks, and the other boys have got to come with him, McCluggage and Zorko and whoever it is that has the chance to play on ball, whether it's Zach Bailey, whether it's Rayner. They have to influence, and if they do that, that gives Brisbane a huge chance. We'll get all of the numbers that matter on the other side of this. Ethan Meldrum to join us to take us through the grand final stats. We'll talk trade news before we finish up as well. This is Footy Talk. It's our grand final eve edition of Footy Talk. Joey Montagna and Jack Heaven. We've got all the bold predictions still to come. And some trade news before we finish up as well. Will Buddy Franklin be in the motorcade tomorrow? We'll find out more on that one as well. We've spoken so much about Collingwood and Brisbane tomorrow. Ethan Meldrum in the house from Triple M Footy to give us all of the numbers that matter heading into tomorrow. Hello, Ethan. Good day to you, Hevelenko. Good day to you, Joey. Ethan. Big, big week. Just talking about the clearance numbers, and I was really fascinated by this, Joey, before the break. Uh, all the clearance numbers, I don't think it's been more crucial to two sides than Collingwood and Brisbane. Just looking at the numbers this year. So contested ball for both sides. Collingwood's profile, they win contested ball, they win the game. So they're 11-0 and 0 when they win contested ball in 2023 wow. under Craig McRae. 18-1 and one going back over the last two seasons. Their only loss was that game against Geelong last year where Geelong ran over the top. They kicked 16 goals eight. Collingwood had more inside 50s, more scoring shots and lost the game by 13 points. That's their only loss in two years under Craig McRae when they win contested ball. Otherwise, they're 18-1, and 10-1 and one this year when they win clearance as well. And for Brisbane as well, 13-1 and one when they win contested ball. Only loss was round 11 against 
Adelaide. Expected score in that game was 91 to 93. So, Joey, it's really important for these two sides. It's a great stat, Ethan. But I reckon the question, and I don't think you'd have the answer there, is though how many times Collingwood have won the contested ball in the second half of the season? Because I reckon that 11 times has been majority would have been in the first half of the season when they were dominant because they were the number one grand ball differential team in the competition. That's dropped away to 18. It fell off the face of the 18th in the competition since the halfway mark of the season. So it'd be interesting to see how many times they have won that at the back end of the year. But it, it, it is crucial, and both these teams play that style, and it probably stacks up with, with the clearance numbers as well. But um, it's, been a, it's been a big factor. Yeah, so over the last seven games, they are minus 10 per game contested ball, Collingwood. First 18 games of the year, they were plus five. So, again, they've gone from first to 18th, as you say, Joey. It's dropped away. It's really important for them. It has dropped away. That's why teams are getting a little bit closer to them. How do Brisbane stack up with some of those numbers you're talking about with contested ball clearances and all that sort of stuff? Where do they sit? So it's Lockie Neal. He's second in the competition for contested ball. Of course, we know he's won two Brownlow medals. He's an absolute star of the competition. Then it's Dunkley. We reckon we'll go to Dugowie, who had 13 clearances in the prelim, which is the most ever recorded in a prelim, overtook Simon Black's record. And then it's Oscar McInerney as well, who I think has had a really underrated final series. Really important in that Carlton game as well. And we talk about you know Carlton being really good at clearance, and they were for so long. Mm. From the 20-minute mark, remember Carlton were five goals up, 30 points up. From then, clearances were 45 to 25, Brisbane's way. Oscar McInerney, one of the highest-rated players on the ground, Joey. Yeah, that was a big factor. Carlton started hot in the round of clearances. McInerney, like that grabbing out of the ruck, is a, is a big one. He takes mm. it out of the ruck or punches it forward, clears the area. That's something they've gone to a fair bit this, this season. Yeah. And slides forward, Oscar McInerney as well, which is yes. important. Yeah, kicked a couple of goals. Charlie Cameron. How big of a factor will he be? He was he had a weird game in the preliminary final. That's the only way I can describe it. He was very quiet early. Then he started to get involved, but kicked it left, right, over his head, backwards, but <laughs> anything but straight. It was a, a strange old game, but he's got a big role to play here. Yes, he does, and I think he matches up better against Collingwood than he does against any other side. So since joining Brisbane in 2018, I looked through all of his matchups. He's kicked 270 goals for the Lions in six seasons, which is ridiculous in its own right, and that's an injury-affected first season as well. Only played the 11 games, kicked 17 goals. 270 goals. I went through every single matchup he's ever had against every single player. So he's kicked 17 goals against Sean Lemons. I don't think think that really counts. He always has that matchup against Gold Coast. His next two best results as far as opponents go, Isaac Quainall, he's kicked nine goals against, 279 minutes of that matchup for nine goals. And then Braden Maynard is third, seven goals in 209 minutes. So he's two of his three best matchups are against probably the two people who are most likely to take him. I don't know who takes him, Joey. It's been Collingwood have flip-flopped between Maynard and Quainall. I don't know if they've quite got it right as to who takes him. But it's worked for Charlie Cameron. He kicked 10 goals in two games this year against Collingwood. Kicked a bag of six early last year as well. It's a really difficult matchup. He looms really crucial for Brisbane and Collingwood. Yeah, he does. And I think they have to give the responsibility to Maynard. He did a pretty good job on Toby Green. I think you just got to shut down for that reason, Charlie Cameron again. I think if he gets higher up the ground, maybe they can hand over and Quaynor can take him. But if he's inside 50, I think you just put your best lockdown defender on him. I think that that's a Braden Maynard matchup. He looms large because of his ability to get out the back off turnover. And Brisbane are the best scoring team off turnover. And we know Collingwood give you a look. Look, they, they have always given teams a look going the other way. Um, so that's why you have to clamp on that guy. My only question with that, if Charlie Cameron works up and then turns his opponent around the other way, is Maynard quick enough to go with him in that situation? 
Well, that's why if he's higher up the ground, you maybe have Quaynor. Yep. But you've got to play him differently. You've got to be able to body and t- and, and hit him. And, and Maynard will do that. Some, sometimes I reckon there's a mistake teams make against Charlie Cameron. They try and put someone fast on him. Mm. I think you need to put your best defender on him who knows how to defend. Body work. Knock him off his run so he doesn't time it. If he tries to turn, you bumper bar him. Get get working him. I think sometimes that that's the key with, with Charlie Cameron. I've just got on the run sheet here, Joey Stats. Have you requested a little bit of time in Ethan's segment? Have I, you? Have, oh, I have, I've got, I've, I have. I've got. I think I've got. You've got the whole show. Ethan just wanted stat. one segment, and you've taken some of his segments. <laughs> to me, this sums up Collingwood, and I, I spent a, all, all of my Monday deep diving because, as an analyst, you look at Ethan, you'll know Collingwood's numbers. They don't jump off the page as being no. the best team in the competition, but they keep winning. How? So I went and had a look, and it came off the back of the two finals. So in the Giants game, they only kicked eight goals, but five of their goals came in at 13-minute patch in the second quarter. Yes. Against Melbourne, they only kicked nine goals, but they kicked five goals in the first 35 minutes of the game, and then they hold on. Yep. So I thought, I wonder if this is a trend. So I went back and had a look. In every single one of their wins, Ethan, so they're 20 wins this year, they have kicked half of their goals in a 32-minute window on average. Oh, that's a good start. So all of, half of their goals come in a window. So in every single game, there's been a, a window. And the, the shortest is like a 17-minute They kicked five goals in 17 minutes against Adelaide earlier in the season. The biggest run was about a, a nine-goal um, run against Gold Coast in about 40 minutes. But it's between that period. They have kicked 141 goals to 12. Ooh. 141 goals to 12 in this period of – Every single game. Wow. So they find a way. So whether it's been – so four times it's been at the start of a game. So think Essen around 24. They kicked eight goals to zip quarter time. Game over. They only kicked 16 for the game. They've done it 13 times when they've been trailing. So these aren't times when they're in front. This is when – so Western Bulldogs, round 17, dogs are all over them. They kick six unanswered goals between the second quarter and the third quarter, turn a three-goal deficit into a three-goal lead, they hold on. Geelong, they did it earlier in the year and late in the year as well. They've done it in every single game. So when they put the foot down, they put it on the scoreboard. That's their biggest advantage and their biggest weapon. So watch for that in the grand final. If they get the momentum, can Brisbane either hold them up or Brisbane's advantage is they are able to score at the other end. Yeah. You've got to be able to score against them going back at them. That's where Brisbane have been able to do it a couple of times they've met this year. But that's what Collingwood do. They they get you, they kill you in a short period of time. Gee, that's a good stat. I'm, I'm going to handball them back to you from now on, Joey. Uh, it could well be a circumstance where Brisbane win three of the four quarters and lose the grand final. A hundred percent. I can see big parts of the game where Brisbane own the game, play it in their forward half, control it. But Collingwood will defend, they'll hold up, and then when they score, which is what they've done basically against Melbourne, where they held on for three quarters. Giants were dominating for two and a half quarters yes. of that game. I can see something very similar happening. Massive stat from you. I, I know it's your segment, but yes. our man bought some pretty good stuff to the table. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not topping that. 141 <laughs> goals to 12, but it's spot on. And we just know that this is surge mentality with Collingwood. Their pressure lifts, their contested ball lifts. Momentum. Like, again, the numbers over a whole game don't make sense, but in 20, 30-minute windows, obviously they certainly do. Spot Jay. on. So, Eith, before we let you go, and we'll get a prediction and a Norm Smith medalist off you as well, from a numbers and data point of view – what are they telling you in terms of tomorrow? See, the numbers all make sense for Brisbane, particularly against Collingwood. They just match up better midfield-wise. They've won the last six, dominated scores from turnover in that round 23 game, outscored them by 50 points from turnover. Hundred like The game was – like they kicked 19 goals in that game, Brisbane. Only once before have Collingwood conceded that many points from turnover. That was last season as well. 
it's really like my head has got to go with Brisbane. Mm. My heart obviously has to go with Collingwood because of the numbers that Joey has presented. Over the course of a game, it makes sense that Brisbane win, but you can just see Collingwood getting on a roll and just dominating for 20 minutes and yeah, that that's what'll do it. Margin, Norm Smith medal? I'm going to go Brisbane by 15. I'm going to go, I can't decide between Charlie Cameron, obviously, for the numbers I presented, but Hugh McCluggage looms large as well. Not because of what he can do loose ball-wise, contested ball clearance-wise, but also he does hit the scoreboard. He always gets a look in front of goal, as do Brisbane. All it takes, his accuracy has been a little bit wayward over the course of the last couple of years. Gets a couple of looks, kicks a couple of goals. He might win the Norm Smith. Very, very good call by you. Nice work, Heath. Nice work across the season as well on Triple M Footy and on Footy Talk. You're a star. We'll look forward to you well, on the cricket season. On your have. See you in Perth. Just before we get some bold predictions, Joey, just to whip through a couple of other bits of news. Jordan Lewis confirmed during the week that Buddy Franklin won't be in the motorcade at the grand final, which is a shame. It is a shame. Yeah, he's um, as soon as he retired, he just he's gone, isn't he? Just disappeared. From the ether, it's sad. I think he would he would love it. It was one of the one of the thrills for me was actually doing the motorcade because when you're a player, you think that the opposition fans all boo you and all hate you, and they probably do when you play. But the, the respect you get from the grand final parade, they everyone gives you a standing ovation, and you, it's a really nice moment to sort of realise, I suppose, the appreciation you've got from the football community because mm. you do feel it's sort of like your team, and that's it. So I, I'm disappointed for him that he's not here, but he's you know he's a private guy and wants to keep it that way. But it is one of the highlights for me that the grand final parade to even to watch it and celebrate that there's a it's a good crop this year too, good crop of retirees, very very good crop and they're all going to make a stack of money this time next year as well <laughs> on uh, grand final week Zach Jones about to sign a one year deal at St Kilda which is good news for him he's had a lot of time away from the game in the last couple of years through uh, mental health and taking some time but also his body's let him down yeah. a little bit so you'd like to see him just get a good run at that's things. right that's all you want to see just want to see what he's capable of still um, you know a lot of talk about uh, Dylan Shield coming to St Kilda because he's got that bit of point of difference. I don't think they need Dylan no. Shields. Zach Jones has got that. They're going to bring Paddy Dow in who's got a bit of that. So um, good news for him. James Jordan has nominated Sydney as his next de- destination. Good yeah, fit? I think so. I think they need a big bodied mid, an extra, just an extra body to go through there. Luke Park is sort of getting on a little bit and, and clearance and contest has been an issue for Sydney. So he adds to their depth. Um, I think he's a good footballer. Just one of those guys that, you know, in a Melbourne midfield struggling to, to get a regular look and uh, I think he can add to the Swans. All right. Time now for bold predictions. We're at the back end of the show. This is it for us on Footy Talk. It all boils down to tomorrow afternoon at the MCG. Bold prediction time from you, Lee Montagna. So we've summed it up, I think, pretty well with Ethan and and looking at the game myself, is that Brisbane, the profile, the way they're playing, the numbers – all lead to their in their favour. And I think they will own big parts of the game because that's just what they have done for a number of years now. And, and it'll, look, it'll look like they are in control of the game. But as I said, Collingwood will at some point in the game, whether it's at the, the first 20 minutes, through the middle of the game, or when they're trailing in the last quarter, if they are, they find a way to kick four or five goals in a hurry yep. and just flip the game on its head and break the heart of the opposition. I can see it happening again. I, I don't know whether it'll be four goals to zip the start. I don't know whether they'll come from behind or whether in the middle when it's an arm wrestle, they are able to do it. But for me, the bold prediction is Craig McRae's coached 50 games. 15 of them have been decided by a kick or less. Every third game he has coached <laughs> has been decided by a kick or less. Collingwood are 12-3 and three in those games. They win the close ones. My bold prediction, it's probably not bold anymore, is they win a close one by three points. Um, and I think... Nick Dacos goes into folklore. He doesn't win the Brownlow because he, he missed the last few games, but he'll win the Norm Smith. And it will be 
one of the most magical moments to see Peter Moore present the cup to Darcy Moore, Nick Dacos winning the Normie, and Collingwood winning the flag that they have been chasing for a couple of years now. So with all of that that you've just said, I think we can now officially put to bed that you dislike Collingwood. Collingwood oh, fans not... have had this vendetta oh. against you for two years. Yeah, they're very All the sensitive. vision from the Triple M commentary box of you not being happy allegedly yeah. when Collingwood win. Yeah. You've just spewed love well, for Well, if them. anyone watches um, a first crack or anything, I mean, I've, I've had Collingwood as my top four seed since round two and given them the love that they deserve. But because I was – maybe it was because I was one of the first mid-year to notice that there were cracks yep. in their game and you know, Collingwood fans didn't like that. And um, it was proven that, you know, everyone else realised at some stage. But as we said, though, they've kept finding a way to win. I've loved the way this team play. I love Craig McRae like everyone else. Um, this Pies team, how can you not like them, to be fair? I mean, with what they've been able to do, the Dacos boys. So, no, nah, Collingwood, I said before the Melbourne-Collingwood uh, qualifying final, whoever won that game mm. had one hand on the Premiership Cup. Now, I did think Melbourne would win that because they had the better profile going into the game. But I've learnt my lesson from Melbourne and the Giants. doesn't matter who's going with the better profile. Collingwood just find a way. And that's why I tip them against Giants and I've tipped them again to beat Brisbane. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go the opposite. And I know Collingwood fans aren't going to like this, but that's okay. And I hope my pop, who's 88, whatever, <laughs> isn't listening to this because he's going to hate me after this. He's a dyed-in-the-wall Collingwood supporter. I've got Brisbane winning. Yeah. I, I think they are in outstanding yeah, they shape. Are. They, they are. are in red-hot form. Yep. They are... Injury-free almost, with the exception of Jack Payne. Playing good footy. They got over the preliminary finals hump. I've got the Lions winning by 16, and I've got Josh Dunkley as the Norm Smith medalist. Josh Dunkley. Ja- Josh. <laughs> hey, by again. the way, your, Josh bold, Dunkley. your bold prediction last Friday, we did the bold prediction. You said Jordan Dugowie would dominate and be best on ground before the Giants game. <laughs> yeah, how, how correct were you there? So for, hopefully for Collingwood's fans, you're, uh, you don't continue that good form. But... Um, yeah, the weather's going to be a factor too. That will favour Brisbane. So it's amazing. There's a lot of things that factor Brisbane and there's a lot of things that favour Collingwood. So may the best team win. May uh, may they be sort of decided by nothing too controversial, no umpiring decisions, and just let them play it out and see how we go. We're getting the wind-up. We could talk footy for right. another three hours, you and I, but we've got to get out of here. Don't forget, if you've got a question for us, you can hit us up on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod and on TikTok as well at footytalkpod. Thanks for being with us on Footy Talk. Enjoy grand final, mate. Listener.